One of the things that I do is being one who spent time in prison and one who on off, who goes inside of those places and, and do workshops and, and lectures and talk to that population. Uh, one of the things I really wanted to do was share you know, some of the things that made me really change my life and the trajectory of where I was going. And that was creative writing and, and, and more specifically poetry. I discovered poetry when I was incarcerated in Hagerstown, Maryland. And from there, I ended up on this this wonderful journey, uh, which took me uh, to where I am today. And I don't think it had it been for that creative spark from which I had didn't even know I had until I was in my, you know, almost in my forties. I don't know where I would have been. Welcome to Warfare of Art and Law, the podcast that focuses on how justice does or doesn't play out when art and law overlap. Hi, everyone. It's Stephanie. And that was author and poet Dr. Randall Horton. In the following conversation, Dr. Horton shares about his background and how that brought him to co-found the collaborative project Radical Reversal, which brings creative performance and recording spaces into detention centers and correctional facilities in order to amplify the dialogue concerning incarceration, justice, and racial and rehabilitation equity. Dr. Randall Gorton, welcome to Warfare of Art and Law. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate being here and coming to talk a little bit about my project, Radical Reversal. Absolutely. Perhaps first, if you would, share a bit about the overview of your work, and then we'll get into Radical Reversal and, and what it's about. Right. Well, me personally, first of all, as myself, um, I'm a poet and writer, and I'm a professor at the University of New Haven, uh, full professor of English, uh, teach poetry and creative writing. Um, but also, I am what they, as one would call, system impacted, um, as in um, I have seven felony convictions, and I'm probably the only full tenure professor in the United States with seven felony convictions. Um, yeah, I mean, I had a whole, I had this whole other life, and I ended up going to prison, um, and my sentence was um, my, was commuted. Uh, well, I had a modification, what they call a modification of sentence uh, when I was in uh, Maryland. I was sent to North Carolina to a two-year program. From there, I went back to Washington, D.C., where I spent the majority of my adult years I finished college at the University of District of Columbia. From there, I went to Chicago State uh, and enrolled in the MFA program. I spent two years there, worked on uh, a manuscript, uh, in which was my first book called The Definition of Place. Uh, but also uh, from there, I went to SUNY Albany, State University of New York, New York in Albany, where I studied for three years and received a PhD in poetry and poetics. And from there, um, I received my first uh, academic appointment at the University of New Haven, uh, where I've been teaching for about 13 years now. And so one of the things, and, and today I like to work in the intersection between music and poetry and all kind of other genres, and I'm very collaborative in what I do. 
Um, and we, I wanted to share some of that in some kind of way um, and, and, and see how I can make a difference and, and give back as an artist while challenging some of the most prevalent issues in, of today, in, in, of, of, which is um, mass incarceration, i.e. the criminal justice system and what goes on inside and outside of that whole entity. And so what happened was I'm part of a larger project called Heroes of Gang Leaders, which is a poetry avant-garde band. And I'm friends with one of the members, Devin Braja Wallman. And we decided to collaborate together for this project, Radical Reversal, where we were actually put together, we put together a writing of, not a writing sample, but a musical sample. And our musical sample was uh, our first actually EP project called Not One Real MF. <laughs> um, but that sample was our creative writing sample. Um, and what we did in our creative writing support, creative writing um, creative capital, excuse me, that was our creative capital uh, proposal. And what we did in that proposal um, was we proposed to place recording studios slash creative spaces within the carceral state, right? What that means is that we wanted to go into a, a place or a space and actually reimagine what that space might look like and have it um, you have it being able to convert from a recording space to a performance space or to any other kind of creative entity, creative things that we could imagine within that space. Um, and that was our, because Creative Capital asked you to kind of dream the impossible. So that was our impossible dream. And we actually were one of the um, 40 recipients of that Creative Capital Award, I think it was 2021. Um, and we've been on our journey. We uh we did a pilot program in Birmingham, Alabama this past uh this past summer, where Devin and I spent two years, I mean two years, two months down there, uh working with um those students every day, um, trying to understand what it is that we were trying to do and what we were gonna do when we gonna when we did it on a much larger scale. Um and it was a very eye-opening uh, dealing with the the students every day and, and seeing firsthand how you know the collaborative process is can be very instrumental uh into you know one stay in that what I in that place I call it inside. I'm not really a fan of words like prison or prisoner. That's a whole other thing. Um but I believe it kind of you know it's a stereotype it, it kind of creates the stereotype from which one can never be released into any kind of freedom if they kind of believe that about themselves. So I tend to shy away from that. Um, and I try to keep, treat, keep, treat them as human beings um, in that regard, and, and language-wise, well as, as as well. And so, from from Birmingham, we we've been our second um, studio was in Boston, um, Suffolk County House of Corrections in Boston, Massachusetts. We installed that space early January, and we're slated to do our third. An installation in Minnesota Faribault, which is a Department of Correction facility in Faribault, Minnesota, in about two weeks. So we're getting ready to get busy with um, what we call radical reversal, where we go in and do programming, um, and we we meet the um, kids and the students and the languages that they practice, and we start from there. And um, we 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 do poetry workshops and seminars and we do music and music production we teach uh, the software pro tools and ableton 
um, and all of those kind of things. And we showed them how to, to how to make beats on on the beat machines and the beat makers. And we provide, um, you know, we probably we, we provide a pretty expansive experience, right? Um, so I'll stop there, and that kind of like you know gives you a kind of idea of like who I am and what I do. Uh, there's so many things you said I want to go back and ask you questions about. So I'll, I'll start with when you were doing the proposal, Dreaming the Impossible, you mentioned, did you envision it being the the three facilities? Did you already have the specifics when you first had the idea? And how did you pick those? Yes, we, we well, it was going to be two, actually. Um, Birmingham was an outlier. Um, but what happened, what's happening with these is we're actually, I'm well, with me because of my long standing um, relationship with many organizations that work on the inside. Um, I have two, I tell have, I have relationships with the uh, Minnesota Prison Writing Program, which is headed by Jennifer Bowen Hicks uh, out of Minnesota, and Writers Without Margins, which is um, headed by Cheryl, Cheryl Buchanan um, in, in Boston, Massachusetts. And so we, I, I, we're collaborating with those organizations in each, in each, each, each of those places to actually get into those facilities and start the programming. And then some of their teaching artists is going to be on some of our infrastructure as we kind of pass the pass these things to them. So that's what we that's what we actually do. We don't necessarily want to, you know, these are theirs. Um and they're they're and they're there for them to sort of expand upon. Right. And so Birmingham became an interesting one and probably was the best move that we ever made. Um and it was I'm from Birmingham for 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 clarification. Um and a, a friend of mine uh, that I went to school with um I had Posted actually something on social media about having received the Creative Capital Award and what we we're going to be doing. And my friend was actually a correctional officer at this youth detention center. She retired. Um, and she was, she, she actually, um, emailed me and told me I need to check, check out this, uh, the new director of the program. Her name was uh, Monique Greer. Um, and I had, I had been there before, but I had never thought about anything like that. Uh, just, just for a reading or two. And to talk to the kids. Um, and I still wasn't convinced, to be honest with you, I wasn't. Um, because I had already had these these two um that we were gonna do um in Boston and Massachusetts, and that was the scope of the of the of what we were gonna do. However, um a couple of things happened with that. Um me being in Alabama um and being from that place and understanding that it has it's pro it has one of the, the one of the most horrible records in terms of um you know what's happening the violence in prisons and and and, the, and it's like a national emergency in the state of Alabama. I don't know if you know that. Um in terms of like the whole um DOC system. Um I just, I knew that and 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 I knew it was a, probably be a good opportunity, but I just didn't know how it was going to work out. But what happened was I actually went down to, to visit uh, my parents, and I stopped by the the, the, the detention center and talked with Miss Grip, and she was very accommodating, um, and and left the door open for us to come, and so, um, so what happened? So this is kind of an interesting story, and I didn't mean to go too far into it, but what ha actually what happened was I was I was um, going to a book festival at SMU. And by the time I got to SMU, my mother passed away, right? 
And so I actually had to come back to Birmingham. Um, and I was down there for like three weeks. And during those three weeks, it just made sense to stay in Birmingham. And, and my father was a little older. <clears throat> Excuse me. And and my collaborator, Devin, um, didn't mind making that sort of detour. And we thought it might be good for the scope of the program anyway, in terms of like really understanding what it is we were going to get into. And here we had someone that was really opening the, um, opening the facility to us, uh, allowing us to come in and strip this place bare naked, um, reimagine it, um, giving us all of the assistance um, that that we actually would, would would need, and I had been I've been into a lot of places um, in terms of adult, um, juvenile, um, all kind of you know, all kind of facilities, and I I began to understand that Miss um, Greer I call her Miss Greer she's probably as different as they come in terms of someone who's in charge of a facility like that. Um, I think we we were on the same. I mean, we we, we I think we we call we're in collaboration at this moment right now. I mean, I think it's really an interesting, an interesting um, collaboration between what we do and 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 what you know what they have to do at at, at the Jefferson County Youth Detention Center. Um, but anyway, so we we diverted. That's how we diverted. That's it was totally of uh, you know these sort of circumstances that happened that, that allowed us to come there. And then when we got to Birmingham, we realized, we realized that it was probably the best move that we could have done because we have, we, we, we just, um, we saw some amazing things happen within that, um, that space. And we knew exactly what, and what, what we wanted to do, how we wanted to do it. And we knew why we were doing it, but also we were, we were then convinced that we were doing the right thing because we would see things change. We would see people change. We would see um, the kids um, that come from different neighborhoods who are actually sectioned off and can't actually be in the same unit together, working together and collaborating. So, you know, Birmingham became an interesting place, um, but it was not on our list. But it was probably the best thing that happened to us because it gave us so much to sort of draw from as we go to these other two facilities. Yeah. The changes that you saw, are you able to give uh, a couple more examples or or any of the works that emerged from that program that really <laughs> struck you? Yeah, I can. Uh, um working with some of the some of the boys, right? We you know, they come in with the mass. I like to call it the mass. Um they come in not necessarily trusting and unsure uh, of what they're seeing and 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 what who's there working with them. Um, <clears throat> it took a lot for us to gain the trust, um, but also as they as they were right as they were working on you know work, writing about their lives and talking about um, where they come from and the things that they do and have done, the situations they've been in, how they grew up. It became abundantly clear that. This just isn't a black and white issue in terms of like someone does something wrong and then they're incarcerated. It is so much more deeper than that. There's so many, so many more levels to like in terms of the, the social conditioning in which these kids come from. Like I say, they come from these different sections of town. They call them the bubble as if they understand their lab rats and sort of like an experiment, like one way in and one way out of these places. They understand where they are. Trust me that they do. And and so 
by them coming from these different places, they have these allegiances. And so when they come in the youth detention center, a lot of them have, you know, stairway order, protect, you know, stairway orders because certain groups can't be with certain groups. Room 111 is the only, is the one place where those kids go and they shed everything and they work together. You got kids from different gangs, different other places. They work together. They worked on tracks. They've done, they've done all kind of, um, projects we we had a um we had a um a, a, a thing with a digital comic book um the son of drac coming out of la where we did the soundtrack to the music uh in that digital comic book and they they killed it in terms of like it's like really grabbing the grabbing the reins and doing something different um so i saw that part of it um i can give you one example i'm gonna give you a setup for it and it's a song but it's a beautiful song. I think it's our flagship song, and and it's and it, and it begins with us working with the girls in Alpha Unit. I mean, we have been working with the guys for about a month, and the girls they have been on lockdown for like a month, so they couldn't participate. And the but we our studio is right next to their unit, so they can hear us every day, and they pass by every day. And they, you know, you could just see it in their eyes. They were waiting for this one for, for, to get in their space. And as soon as they got in, right? Um, so we worked with eight students two, two, two weeks at a time, and we rotated all the boys, right? And so then by the time we were able to grab, grab the girl, when they were, they were ready, we grabbed the girls and we worked with them a little bit longer because they had been waiting too. And so while we were in, in the mix that we had recorded them a couple of times and they were really right, um, you know, writing poems or raps about their violence. And in, in, in a way that we just wanted them to try to um, try to think about some other things and that they could write about. I didn't want it to always be about, you know, the violence, though I'm under no illusion that, that that's not what they have, that they have seen those things. You see what I'm saying? I'm under no illusion of that. Um, and so this one particular um, young woman, I call her Lil' K. We were in the workshop on one day. They were all in a semicircle and they had to pass out. And they had been writing these hard, they've been doing these hard raps, man. And I was like, ho, ho, let's stop for a minute. I wanted to give him a, I gave him a, we're going to do a workshop. And I said, I want you to think about something beautiful and all the ugly that you've seen. And can you start from there? Right. And so one girl, a little Kate, raised her hand and I called her. And she said, and these were her exact words, but what if you don't know no beautiful? That hit me. That hit me hard. But what if you don't know no beautiful? Damn. How can we live in a world when don't know one know no beautiful, man? And so even for me, and I've been through a lot in my life, um, you know, in terms of just the things that I've done. And that was hard for me just to, just to hear this. And I could just see it in her eyes. She was she was serious. She wasn't playing. You know what I mean? Like she was dead serious. And so what I did was I actually gave her exercise and I told her um, I told her to. um to answer a series of questions that I had once d done when I was incarcerated um, in, Mon in Montgomery County, Maryland, before I went upstate, I was in a program. And it's, these appear in my first book. 
um, my first memoir, excuse me, book of memoir. And I gave him, I told her to answer these questions. And I didn't want to see, and, I, and, I, and she answered them. I told her, I don't want you, I don't want to see them. I want you to keep them because I know they're very personal. Because they were personal. I know the nature, I know the nature of the questions. Like, and so I asked her, I said, well, look, do you want to write something about, you know, off, these, off the essay that you wrote? And she said, yeah, I'll write something. You know, and she and so she wrote something. Um, well, well, let's just say it was a, a rap. And and she tried to get up and you know recite it. Because what we do is in workshop is they'll write they'll 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 work on things and they'll get on this little mic we have set up and it's sort of like an open mic where they can sort of talk about and, and get a sense of what they want to do. And she tried to get up and you know give a few words of what she had written down. And she couldn't get through it and she started crying, right? And so we stopped it right there and we told her, don't worry about it. And we called her in the next day. We called her and her buddy, and her buddy, we'll call her little E. Because they they hung together and they were just, you know, they all they were each other's, you know, kind of strength. Um, and what what, what you're about to hear is called Ain't No Love in the Streets, right? Um but also, um, what it is, is um, it's a collaboration between uh, everybody in that space. Um, uh, we had the Radical Reversal crew in there. We had some people from Black Arts Academy who was helping us. Um, and then we also had some, um, we had a, a, a poet by the name of Patrick Rosal um, put a flute on it. Uh, Patrick is, um, is a is a full professor at the University of Rutgers in Camden, a Guggenheim Fellow, um, National Book Critics Circle Award winner. So he's 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 an interesting poet that does music as well. And so I'm gonna give you a little bit of um, um I'm gonna give you a little bit of um Luke K. Excuse me, one second, and then you can kind of get a sense of what I'm talking about here.
why my sister on the ground Won't open her eyes, I got the crying Thought my sister was dying, I didn't know what to do I told my mama, you can get the step before I give you two Then the system came and took them from me What else I can do? So tired of rainy days, I just want the sun to turn blue Okay, yeah, that was a little K. Um, I, and I we give them aliases because we don't want to give their um, proper names because they're used. Um, but that was that that piece came out of that whole experience, and you should have seen the transformation in terms of um, how she responded to um, making that 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 song and and. And, and 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 the fact that she had done something that, that was beautiful, that through that was ugly. I don't know if you lose listen to the lyrics, I mean to the words yeah. of that, but that's very problematic. Everything in there is problematic. Don't get it twisted. It is. But you know, for her, it was a way of getting it out, and it was a way of something that she did that was very beautiful because everyone that came in, in that space from that time on, we would play that and they would give her a standing ovation or uh, standing, they would stand up and clap for her rather. And it just made her feel really proud. And you could see after that, she became really engaged. She would be collaborating. She took charge. She knew she was just confident. And, you know, you see that and, you, and we saw that in a lot of those kids, um, you know, and we're not saying that's the total answer, but when people ask me, what does art do? I think it gives people a more, a, a, a better sense of themselves and a more compass to sort of like guide themselves as they try to figure things out, you know? Um, I don't know if she's going to be, you know, a, a, a artist, but I do know that she created something beautiful and she feels very good about herself and that she knows that she can do something. That's what I know. And I had heard you in, in connection with the Radical Reversal mission, I believe, say that you wanted to help these individuals reimagine their futures. Yeah, I mean, she was saying there ain't no love in the streets. I mean, she's, I mean, she, she's giving it to you from ground zero. I mean, I don't know, it doesn't get any more ground zero than from where, where she's coming from. And it's like, you're trying to get out of that situation and you're like, I can't find no love nowhere, man. I mean, I mean I'm, even if I try to do right, what, 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 what is it going to get me? I mean, you got kids in there, man, that's sleeping on the floor that don't eat hardly and had to go out and rob and do all kind of things to just survive. And so it becomes very, very problematic. You know, it becomes very problematic. I mean, in terms of like, should we really be just punishing them in this regard? We should be helping them try to not come back. And Trust me, there's people that understand all these things, but it just it, the system is just so expensive, man, sometimes. Um, but like I said, um, we have a great partner um, in, uh, in Ms. Gritter, and then she's, she understands a lot of this stuff. And so she's, and that's why out of the, out of the, out of the three programs, we're probably, we're going to definitely keep our hands really close on Birmingham because it's our pilot program. Um, 
and really just love on it because those kids affected us. Um, and me and Devin, and, and not only myself, but Devin as well, because we, we were in that space every day. Um, we have another uh, team member there now, um, you know, working with the um, working with the students. Uh, he records, goes in there, records, and things like that. And we do. We got a mental health program. We're doing a ten week mental health program now, it, and down there now with um, Brothers Let's Talk, the organization. So, um, you know, um, they're just so much. But like, I mean, I, 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 I like, I, I'm never under any illusion that what they're saying is not true. And it is like, I mean, it's it's like all they're looking for is some love. I Many of these kids just looking for someone to they 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 don't, they don't even understand the concept of having someone love them. So you know that on the on the, on the young adult level, that's what we sort of been had to deal with a lot. There we start we we started like right there, and then got in you know getting into like you know. With, with what's going on with these kids and you know not necessarily knowing what they're in there for because we don't we didn't we don't we don't ask but just understanding what they had been through was enough and we got kids coming in it's been shot you know every group every group had kids that have been shot not one not two not three not four not five but six every group every one of them had somebody that had been shot but the boys trust me. no and so um, and you know, and, and so it's like, and even with the boys, it was, it was interesting when we were doing the um, the end of um, the applications because they all had to, to do a, a questionnaire of why they why they wanted to um, come to that space. So the first the first eight, you know, we we handpicked you know me and Miss Greer, um, the director, and they had some really interesting answers, and and because many of them. Wanted to engage in hip hop and wanted to be artists, but that was a that was a pipe dream. <laughs> like they, they they knew they would never have enough money to go in the studio and do anything, even or even have enough money to buy an interface and just get on something, you know. Because even as you, you can do some home stuff now too, that's a pipe dream. They say well, I've always wanted to do this because many of them just sit. Whatever they are, and they just practice in their little rhyme. They came with a lot of stuff already. It was interesting. And, you know, a lot of men say, this is something I wanted to do all my life. And I never had the opportunity. And here it is, right here in front of me, <laughs> like in a place where the last place I thought it would be is right. <laughs> so, <laughs> and that was, and I thought that was interesting too. It's like, you know, the last place that you would expect. To really go into to to have this kind of experience, and here you are having it, and we mess we 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 really mess some talented young kids um, that we think that's going to go on and really do some amazing things, um, and that's for sure. So yeah, the intention is that the studio remains in place and uh, is now yeah. a part of that facility for. Yeah. Yeah. Going forward, yeah. completely, and you guys will keep yeah. uh, someone there to do yeah. the assistance with the kids exactly yeah. no doubt. No doubt. every time we we get a grant we're gonna love them <laughs> <That's> <laughs> awesome. yeah. and, and give them something else and you know it's just because of you know it's because like we know that situation Devin and i um i'm a collaborator and 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 they gave us everything we needed to go out and and do this and do this these amazing projects and so why wouldn't we um 
Yeah, I mean, but each one is going to have its own thing. But Boston is going to Boston is is kind of interesting right now. We just started, but we you know Minnesota, but Minnesota will be our probably our biggest facility. You know, uh, but Birmingham is pretty. It's, it's not it's not bad. Boston is a little smaller. It's a piece unit. Um, but Minnesota is probably our, going to be our biggest unit. We're going to have like four recording booths. Um, we're collaborating with um, the officials out there and uh, maintenance. And that's one of the things, too, even getting back to Birmingham, we began to see the collaboration effort between the guards, ourselves, um, when we were in that space. And that, even with that song with Lil, Kat, with Lil K, um, the guards completely helped her with that, you know? No, they were in their workshop, and I, I can, I, um, I can see it vividly as, as it is. They were right there helping her work on this piece because they, because this one, this one they was really feeling, and they was like, oh, you, they, and they helped her, and so she had a lot of help with this. I'm telling you, um, but and so, and so we begin to see that that whole kind of collaborative, that collaborative thing going on, um, and one of the things that we also noticed with rather with the radical reversal experience is like. Like the anticipation sort of precedes um, us getting there, and so <laughs> when we get there, they're already waiting. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So that's been kind of um, it's been kind of interesting doing these, and it's each like I said, each one has been its own experience, or will be its own experience. Uh, we're finding out, um, but. We feel like we're just doing the right thing as you know, as musicians and as artists and as poets, as as writers, and that's what we do. And so we, you know, we we relying on um those people that we know to come in and do um you know readings. Um we had a we have a like we have a, a vibe and we call a radical reading series where we bring in poets. So they they get a chance to hear poets uh, all over the country read, um, state poet laureates uh, from Kentucky, New York. Um yeah, I'm, I'm missing a state. Oh, Alabama. <laughs> um, <laughs> there you go. Ashley is still killing me. <laughs> Ash Jones. And um and and also the the uh, the musician, I don't know if you feel with, with Masego. Um he's an interesting um he's an interesting artist. He plays many, many, he's a, the, the the young people love him. He plays many instruments and um he produces um he just he had just he was at he was there this summer for the world games. He had just came from working with Drake in um in Canada. And some kind of way he heard that we had a studio <laughs> in, in the youth detention center. He wanted to come. So he came and he spent two hours with the kids. Um and he left him a he left him a Masego beat that they can you know sort of play around with um but what's more important is they, they always say if you build it they will come and so when we put that there the people who have come through that space and just to sort of like come and want to see it and talk to the kids and do all kind of things it's you know, it's been varied from different spaces city councilmen you know pick people in politics people uh in all facts and facets of life not only just artists. So it's created that kind of buzz where, you know, um, people want to see what's going on. And once they see what's going on, they begin to, you know, take an interest. And that's what we want, you know? Is there perhaps uh, an example of one of the songs from the boys that you would be able to share? I got one from, um, 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 I got a poem from, um, Cam, hold on a second. I got it. 
Yeah, this is the one I was telling you about. He's and Cam was is an interesting student. Um, in that um, he came in with the mask too, but you know he began to open up. He began to open up. Uh, and what's see. amazing is that uh, it's a just in two weeks' time. Like that's really a, so much work done to like have them feel comfortable with you, and then to collaborate in that short window of time. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, and so exactly, and so we only we only have two weeks, um, but then some of them once we finish, um, we would actually bring them back, and so we had them do. Um, sort of like an all-star uh, cask on the Masego thing. Um, and I don't have that one right now. It's down in Birmingham. But let me just bring this up for, from um, from Cam. It's a poem called Imagine. I'll give it to you. Let me share this with you right quick. Imagine. Imagine. Walk up in my shoes. Hey, you ever went a whole week with no food, no light? Spend a whole week with the same clothes and shoes on. No minutes, so we forced to rob. Scared, so we had to carry a gun. So we won't be killed. Seeing your homeboy laying dead. Hopeless, no breath in him. His last words was, I love you, brother. It get real scary in the hood. And so that music um, was done by Travis Scott, producer, uh, who's on part of the Radical Reversal team as well. So, and what we do is when they do poems like that, we'll have we'll create beats for them, have them get on the mic and 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 record them in that way as well. Well, thank you for sharing that. For both of these, I think it really it gives. Uh, a little bit of tangibleness to the beautiful work that you're doing. Yeah. And sort of um, gives you a sense of like what we're dealing with, with these kids as well and, and what they're capable of, you know, getting out of them and, and expressing um, as well. So, um, and yeah. yeah, And so like, I, when we first worked with, um, with Cam like that, I don't think um, he, he would have been capable of, of, of writing something like that. I don't. Um, but he'd been, you know, it took a while for him to sort of drive, to, to to really open up. Um, and 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 then once we once he began to open up, we really began to understand where he was, you know, where he was coming from, and that he was still a little kid, scared, you know. Um, and he tried, and there was this sort of portrayal of being hard and writing these little hard rhymes and these hard raps. But really, he's a kid. Who you know who 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 whose parents failed him and the system failed him. You know, I don't. I can't remember. You know, any, any, anything I did, like as a kid, I can't remember like not being able to eat food and wearing the same clothes for a week. I don't. I don't remember that. That didn't happen to me. Even even the path that I went on, I didn't I didn't I was never you know I, that wasn't it, and so you know and 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 I went through a whole lot. So imagine, you know, what these kids are going to go through if no one if no one comes. Yeah, 
and giving them this space to feel safe to and that someone wants to listen to their story that's got to be yeah. perhaps a first for for unfortunately for many of them and that you're yeah. that it exists and it's not just there for the couple of months that it's staying that's even more amazing yeah, and I stand. As long as, you know, um, the director's there, she's very protective of that space. Um, she doesn't let nobody go in there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's interesting, too, because we went in there, we began to start working and doing installation. It's, and, and it's always oh, interesting um, because we would go into the cafeteria and have lunch, right? And the, and, uh, the cafeteria later come up, what y'all doing in there? You say, she said, yeah, oh, y'all put in the recording studio. I said, you know, I can sing, right? I can sing. I used to sing. I might come down. <laughs> no, it's here. And in, in, in some in several regards. Um, actually, we did a collaboration with one of the guards played the guitar. Um, one of the students, um, Lucius played, uh, he, he did a beat on the MPC one, and um Travis was on the keyboards. Um and we did a collaborative song in there um, as well. Um, yep. Uh, maybe I can give you a little bit of that. So this is the one that we did in Birmingham. Um, and there was a, I forget the guard's name now, and the correction officer's name now. He played the guitar. Um, and Travis Scott, who's a part of the Radical Reversal team down there, was on keyboards. And one of the students, um, was on the MPC one live. Here we go. Roll, I call it the road less travel.
Yeah. So actually, I meant to play. I played the wrong one, but that's the instrumental version right there. <laughs> There's one with me actually around doing a poem on it as well. Um, I'd be so grateful if you would share one of your poems and any one of them. And I don't know if there's one in particular from what we've been talking about that, that might be in your mind, the most appropriate. Hmm, let me see. Um, so this is what, this is what, this is the, these are the words to that, to that, this song um, that you just heard. And it's called, um, it was published by the, by the poetry London, actually in London, England, um, not this summer. Um, I actually got invited to submit something and I had been working down. I was down there work, and working on this piece and I actually submitted this. Um, and it's called To Live and Die in Birmingham, Alabama. And it's for the young girl at Jefferson County Youth Detention Center who asked me during a writing workshop, what if you don't know no beautiful? They come from a place called the bubble, but could be the bottom. Whereas railroad tracks neatly laced communities, Titusville, Smithfield, Billiton Village, the brickyard, into a chokehold. Here, the sun forgets to shine or illuminate grace. On any given day, a body outlined in chalk draws a story of death by bullet, featuring boys and girls that don't, don't know no beautiful, bleeding out. They will never know the language of Hosanna's or Black-Eyed Susan's or the bite of a Eleuthera at dawn. Only hollowed out echoes of dilapidated structures that when whistle a scenic landscape dead with violent memory. They will know a mother's scream in between the bewitching hour, the small hours, whereas gunplay isn't a downloadable video game. Nothing blossoms in the bubble, this fatal construct, whereas pigmentation begins the demarcation as in an experiment or maybe Petri dish. Right here. The impact of knowing the backstory behind that uh, makes that even more yeah. poignant. So yeah, that came out of that whole experience, man. The overarching point that kind of keeps coming out to me is sort of summed up in the, the subtitle, I believe it is, of one of your poems, This Malice Thing Never to Be Confused with Justice. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> no doubt. I get that I get that from, from Nietzsche's uh, more, uh, genealogy of morals. So thinking, always thinking about that, uh, you know. How we how we measure the good. Yeah. Yeah. In closing, is there a definition of justice that you have circled around or or come to over the course of your career? Huh. I don't know if I have an, a definition. I want to be that's that's too expensive for me. I think the human experience. Um, it's what I'm after. I'm after humanity. Um, I think that's the only way to attack this and a moral compass. You know, both of the things of which you know I found later in life. Um, but I but I, I live by every day. And so for me, um, I don't know 
what kind of, you know, this the system is so, so big. All I know is what I can do and the impacts that I can make. You know, if we don't make any, then nothing happens. That's all that I know. Um, and justice, you know, is interesting. I don't know if we're going to ever get to a sort of con- consistency on like what justice is actually looking like because we're so divided. Um, but I know that when we don't, when we see injustice, that we got to fight for it. You know what I mean? Um, a lot of times we might not know what justice looks like, but we know what injustice looks like. I bet you. <laughs> and so we start there. Yeah. 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 What's the legacy that you hope to be leaving with your work and this uh, project with Radical Reversal? Well, I just, the thing with Radical Reversal is I want them to live and be their own entities um, and just be somewhere, you know, years from now, someone is going to wonder how in the heck did a recording studio get in here? And they don't have to know it's me. I don't even care about that. I just wanted to be there. I just want to, you know, but you know, our goal is to actually go into these, go into these spaces and and create these dynamic relationships where things like this isn't going to be so abnormal. You know what I mean? That's what I want. I don't want it to be a thing after so many years. It's like, you know, I'm not thinking. I right now I can't think about legacy. I don't know about that. You know, I can't. I can't even fathom what that means to me. Because um, at one time I was just trying to live. You know, so for me to think, I think it would be a little presumptuous of me to start thinking about legacy. I'm still trying to make it, you know, trying to do my thing um, and trying to, in some ways, sometimes atone for the things that I've done um, in that life before I came to this, you know, before prison. And like, for me, you know, it's, I wasn't just one off. I wasn't a miscarriage of justice. I was. I didn't go in as a juvenile. I, I, I I'm just, I'm, I'm a little different in that way. And so. Um, but trust me, I mean, I had, I came from a very, you know, a solid background and it's, it's, it's interesting when we talk about these things. Um, I came from a solid background, but I made the choices in life that took me down the roads that, you know, I went down and they were my choices and I made them. And so I had to live with that. Um, and so as I come out of that, you know, I accept all that, but, you know, one of the things that. I understand, you know, that the things that I went through were preparing me to 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 impact somebody else's life in a, in a very different way. But I think, you know, social justice is just like people say with blackness, it's not a monolithic thing, right? And so there's all kinds of there's all there's all things and all there's all ways in which people come to come into this 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 work that we do. Um that's my story. Um and that's just it. And so, um, I just want I just I just want people to 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 to, to know that I try to do the, to do the right things, um, and that I was really I really meant what I said when I whenever I said something that's what I meant, and whenever I said I was going to do something I did it. That's all. That's all. I, that's all I want. You know, to let people know that I was reliable that you can depend on me. If I said I was going to put a recording studio somewhere, I did that. He was going to do it. You know, if he said he was going to do something, he's going to do it, right? That's it. 
you know, being dependable, being trustworthy, being able to rely on, you know, being able to rely on me to do something that's going to help someone instead of hurt someone. That's it. That's it. Period. Well, is there anything else that you want to share that I have not asked you? No, no. I think we went through a bunch of things. <laughs> um, no, nah, I think we're pretty good. Um, and if anybody wants to know a little bit more about me, they can check out my, I got two memoirs, you know, Hooker Memoir and Dead Weight. Um, that kind of gives you a little bit um, sort of in, in insight into like, you know, my journey, uh, my personal journey. Um, with radical reversal, you know, we got radical reversal, radical hyphen reversal.com, and you can go on the website and look at some of the stuff that we've been doing. We've got great um, visuals and audio and video and pictures of the space in Birmingham where we started from nothing and uh, made it, you know, into that into the space that you see. Um, and you check that out. Um, so, yeah, so and just follow radical reversal as we continue this journey um it will be in minnesota in two weeks and we'll be, we'll be providing updates on that um but yeah that's it just follow radical reversal and, and sort of um cheer it for us and you know wish as well as we continue to do the good work there will be links in the show notes to learn more about dr horton and radical reversal if you were intrigued by this podcast, it would be much appreciated if you could leave a rating or review and tag Warfare of Art and Law Podcast. You can also email comments to Stephanie at warfareofartandlaw.com. Until next time, this is Stephanie Drotty bringing you Warfare of Art and Law. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. What are your plans for the second Saturday of this month? Perhaps consider joining in for a discussion about art, culture, and social issues. Hi everyone, it's Stephanie, and every second Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, I host the Second Saturday Art and Justice Gathering, an online call that explores a range of topics, from artists who might inspire to legal decisions that might infuriate all with the aim of sparking dialogue about social justice and promoting creative thinking. If interested, please email me at stephanie at warfareofartandlaw.com.